0: matters most in life? Is it career? Is it love? Is it worth sacrificing for a few moments of the spotlight for love? Is love really all that great? Can you truly be happy at the top of your game? And who is the love of Evelyn Hugo's life? These are all the questions I kept asking myself as I was reading the seven husbands of of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. This one has been on my TBR list for the longest time, but once I got into it, I was stuck. I couldn't put the book down. I even got the audiobook so I could listen to it on the drive to work and during my lunch hour. Warning, warning, warning. This episode will contain a lot of spoilers because in order to give a fully good big review worthy of this, I need to fully dive into all the aspects, good, bad, and downright ugly. But I must say this is a definite, honestly, it's a seven-star read really that will keep you happy, sad, and flat-out angry at times. Without further ado, greetings and salutations and welcome to Wellness Through Reading. I am your host, Tanisha i like to consider myself your BFF of literature to offer you tips on how to keep reading a daily habit as a form of self-care. I had an entire podcast episode ready to go, ready to upload it, but once I got started reading this book, I had to postpone the episode to next week because this book was so wonderful, exciting, intriguing, and such a page-turner that I had no choice but to share it as soon as possible. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is a historical fiction by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It was originally published by Area Books on June 13, thousand seventeen. The story follows a young journalist, Monique Grant, who is given the opportunity of a lifetime, getting to do an interview for a cover story of one of the Hollywood's most glamorous superstars, Evelyn Hugo. Why me? Is what she initially asked her editor in chief. Frankie, one day in her office. Frankie initially didn't want think that Monique had the skills to get a cover story for the magazine Vivant until she showed Monique the email that she received from Evelyn Hugo's PR team. It is either Monique Grant or nobody. While excited to accept the challenge, Monique has been having a rough year and just didn't think she was up to it, and she has been beating herself up about it, so that kind of exposure could be the size opportunity that she needed to turn her life around. So she decided to put her insecurities aside and go for it. She is invited to Evelyn Hugo's home for the interview, but it becomes clear from hello that this was much more than Monique signed up for. Evelyn explains that she does not want to do an interview for Vivant Magazine, but she wants Monique Grant to write her tell-all book. And by tell all, she means tell it all. No subject off limits, no question will go unanswered. Once again, she asks, why me? And Hugo answers, all will be revealed in time. The novel is broken up into seven parts, one for each husband. The first being of her first husband, Ernie Diaz, a very plain man. But this section mainly talks about her time as a youth in Hell's Kitchen. She was born Evelyn Herrera. She discusses how she was incredibly close with her mother, and the two of them had always dreamed of a life being in the movies. Unfortunately, her mother died of pneumonia at age 11, then she was left in the care of her abusive father. That same year her mother died is when she started to develop. Her curvaceous figure that she would become well known for her in her movies started to attract a lot of attention from the men in her neighborhood. It was at this young age that she started to learn how to use her sexuality as a tool to get the things she wanted out of life. Um, Evelyn dreamed of a life away from Health's Kitchen though, a life of promise and hope and that she believed that life could be found in California, more specifically, Hollywood. So at the age of 14, she heard that a local man named Ernie Diaz was moving out to Hollywood for work. Clad in her favorite green dress, green would eventually become her signature color. She pretends to go visit a friend who happens to live in the same apartment building as Ernie Diaz. And she mindlessly goes and taps on his door. And that's how their relationship got started. Mind you, she is clearly a minor. So her father had to sign papers to allow her to marry Uh, Diaz and once they were off to California they went. Okay so she's made it to California. Now what? At one point she gets dressed up and just hangs out at a local diner and hopes that she would find someone that might put her in a movie. The owner after a while gets annoyed continuously seeing her daily so finally puts her to work waitressing tables. It was there she met a young Harry Cameron who signed her to Sunset Studios. Now, it is important to note that the genre of historical fiction, the plot in a historical fiction novel, is a combination of real life events and fictional ones. So in this context, Sunset Studios is actually based off of a real Hollywood movie studios company called Sunset Boulevard, which was really popular back in the 1950s. This section takes place in the 50s, where the actors and actors are assigned to specific studios to star in those specific studio pictures. It is here that she gains the attention of the producer, Harry Cameron, who helps her to get cast in several pictures and suggests she change her name. So that way it's less Latino and more white-centered. Welcome to Hollywood. So she goes from being Evelyn Herrera to Evelyn Hugo. And at this point, she is flirting with Don Adler, the world's most famous movie star at this point. And it is also Carrie Cameron, who tells her to divorce her first husband, Ernie, if she wants to advance in her career. Which she gladly does, because, I mean, he was just transportation at this point. Ernie is heartbrokenly crushed, but understands and only wants to see Evelyn happy. So they do divorce, and the studio actually gives him a very big bonus for divorcing Evelyn very quietly and not putting anything on the papers. Ernie will go on to get married to a woman named Betty and have several children of her own. So he does have a happy ending. And honestly, let's be clear, he knew from the get-go that she didn't really love him. He was just using him. So they both got something out of the deal. Part 2. We have Don Adler. Of all the husbands, this one was my least favorite. At first, he was charming and handsome, and it meant he came from Hollywood royalty. The Adlers were well-known in the Hollywood upper elites. He is the son of two famous Hollywood actors, so that puts a lot of pressure on him to achieve greatness. It is also during this time, Evelyn is wanting to be taken seriously as a legitimate actress, but Sunset Studios keeps putting her in films such as Father and Daughter, while a big box office hit wasn't really heavy on drama. And she really wants to star as Joe in The Little Women, which could give her that. But the studio wants to make her a household name before that happens. Cameron suggests that she start a relationship with Don Adler as to appease the studio. Don Adler is the hottest actor in Hollywood, as stated before. But at this point, and the studio's golden egg. Essentially, anything he touches turns to gold. Any movie he stars in turns to gold. Henceforth, make Don Adler happy, make the studio happy and, in turn, gain better quality roles. Don't get it twisted, this relationship is also the first time that Evelyn truly falls in love with someone, and the fact that their relationship helped both their careers, which just the cherry on top. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it was two months after their Hollywood Hills wedding, and after their spectacular honeymoon, that Dawn slapped Evelyn across the face. A true case of not everything that glitters is gold. Despite his perfect picture-perfect image, Don had a huge dark side. He was a heavy drinker and had big self-esteem issues. When his films were doing well, he felt good and happy and treated Evelyn like a queen. When they did bad, he would take out his frustrations on Evelyn. While her personal life was suffering, her career was taking her to a new heights. The studio had finally decided to greenlight uh, the production of Little Women. Evelyn would be playing... The lead role of Joe, an up-and-coming newcomer, Cecilia St. Jones, would play Beth. Evelyn was furious when she found out that Cecilia St. James would be playing the pivotal role. Now, even though she'll be the supporting actress, everyone knows that that part is a good one, because Beth is the one that dies in the series. In case you haven't read that book, another good one. But yeah, that's a role any actress would die to play. Dawn had even offered to have her removed from the project, but Evelyn said no, which was very much uncharacteristic of Evelyn. The old Evelyn would have done anything to throw her under the bus in order to get what she wanted. Evelyn even said while she hung out with some of the actresses and talked to them, she would easily throw anybody under the bus in order to get what she wanted. But she didn't do that with Celia. Interesting. From day one of shooting, Celia St. James felt the tension between the two, so she invited Evelyn out for shakes. A weird request, but Evelyn obliged. They went to a discreet place in Hollywood where a deal was made between the two. Celia heard from fellow actress Ruby Rose that Evelyn tried to get her fired from Little Women, which was true. Evelyn didn't deny it, and Celia St. James didn't hate her for it. She stated that she admired her courageousness to go out into the world and get what she wanted. At this point, I felt like there was a little tension between these two, because Evelyn was not the kind of woman who opens up to people very easily, not even to Don, whom she loved, or Cameron, who was her best friend at this point. So the two agreed to be friends, and Celia would help her with her acting, and Evelyn would teach Celia how to be a star. So now we fast forward to the premiere of Little Women. Evelyn went with her husband, Don, and Celia went with another actor. After the film, at an after-party, everyone was talking about Celia's performance and how she was a shoe-in for Best Actress Supporting at the Oscars. But there was another rumor floating around about her. Ruby Rose caught Evelyn in the co room and told her that Celia was a lesbian. Now in 2023, no one would care. In fact, Celia would probably be embraced. But in the 1950s, this was scandalous and career sabotage. Evelyn was shocked at this point. Their friendship had evolved to where they were sleeping over at each other's homes, and it never occurred to Evelyn about Celia's sexual orientation. Evelyn found her, Celia, at the party and asked her flat out, Is it true? Before Celia could answer, Evelyn kissed her. Yes, that's right. Evelyn and Hugo kissed Celia St. James, thus, to answer the question of who was the love of Evelyn Hugo's life? Well, it was not. While she loved some of her husbands and had great affections for him, but the love of her life was Celia St. James. Ladies and gentlemen, at this point, we are only, we're not even halfway through the novel and this bombshell drops. Up until this point, everyone had only ever been attracted to men. So for her to have fallen in love with a woman was shocking. And let me tell you, I hit the floor when I heard this on the audiobook. I was driving in the car and I almost got into a car accident. I had to pull over, stop, pause, rewind that just so I can make sure I heard that correctly. Side note, if you ever want to read this book and you're listening to it via audiobook, make sure you're not driving because there are so many bombshell moments like this just to avoid a car accident. Trust me. While while that big question is answered, there are still so many questions that come about from that revelation. While there's, like, was Evelyn Hugo then a lesbian? Uh, who else knew about what was going on? Uh, How does this affect her relationship with Don Adler? Would she divorce him? How does Harry Cameron fit into all of this? But if Sally—and also, a new big question that comes about after this revelation— If Celia St. James is Evelyn Hugo's love of her life, then why does she, mind you, Don Adler is her second husband? She would go on to marry five more men. Why? Before I answer those questions for you, I'd like to take a moment and read a review from a fellow listener of the podcast. I enjoy reading your reviews because I like to know how you are enjoying the episodes, and it gives me ideas on what to talk about for future episodes. This week's review comes from username FHGFLY1 and it states, love the concept and this show. Great to hear about reading and the recommendations. Plus, the ways reading impacts us. Smiley emoji. I thank you so much for that review. And so for listeners on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to your podcast, please leave us a review. And especially if you liked what you heard so far. And your review could be the one that I read on next week's episode. All right, back to the drama. So after they kiss, Celia runs off, leaving Evelyn confused, dazed, and a warning. Hmm. At this point, she knows that she needs to leave Don Adler because of the love that she once had for him had basically died. And she just no longer had the energy to pretend to be fake anymore. She wanted something real. She wanted something true. She wanted Celia. She looks for Don at the party and finds him in one of the bedrooms with another woman. At this point, she's just tired. She's done. All the emotions she once had for him are gone and she leaves. She spends the night at her friend Harry Cameron's house to figure out what she wants to do. She decides that she wants to be with Celia, and she and her start a relationship, of course, behind closed doors. Around the same time that Evelyn is done with Don, Don was done with Evelyn. Not wanting his ego to get Bruce. he files for divorce first and gives Evelyn a large alimony settlement and several mansions in exchange for silence. Specifically, don't tell the world that I was beating you all throughout our marriage. So she could not go around talking about Dawn, but Dawn could go around saying that Evelyn's career obsessed and abandoned him. Classic. Even though Dawn Allen was the first love of her life, she was not sad when the marriage ended. In fact, she simply states, I wasn't heartbroken when Dawn left me. I simply felt like my marriage had failed. And those are two very different things. Anywho, the romance between Celia and Evelyn was going strong, and the rumors of Celia being a lesbian is about to hit the newsstand, unfortunately. She has not been seen out with any men, so people were getting suspicious when they started to see Celia and Evelyn hanging out more. Now, some historical context. The 1950s were a perilous time for individuals who fell outside of society's legally allowed norms relating to gender or sexuality. There were many names for those individuals, such as Deviant, um and I've uh, many more that I just don't feel comfortable sharing. So therefore, people like Celia and like Evelyn had to live double lives in order to fit into societal norms. If people so much as suspected you of being gay or lesbian or any or anything else, you could not only lose your job, but sometimes you could lose your life. And Ilya didn't mm, Evelyn, excuse me. Didn't want that for Celia. She was too kind and talented to be listed as a societal deviant. She did what she did best. She got married to husband number three. Okay, I asked myself the same question that some of you are asking yourselves right now. How does getting married a third time solve the problem? If Evelyn were to get married to Mick Reva, husband number three, a talented singer, All the rumors about her and Celia would cease to exist, and they could continue on with their romance behind closed doors. At least that's what Evelyn thought. Because Evelyn was not only worried about Celia's career, but her own, of course. I mean, Evelyn's first thought is always about Evelyn. If you haven't noticed by now. A common motif throughout the novel is what did Evelyn love more, her career or Celia? And also, how does Mick Riva fit into all of this? And why marry him of all people? How does Celia feel about this decision? Before I answer those questions, a quick word from today's sponsor. It's that time of the month. Aunt Flo is in town. Y'all know what I mean. Especially the ladies of the podcast. These are all the euphemisms that we use to state that your period is on its way. I am a woman who used to suffer from extremely painful periods that kept me up at night, kept me in bed so I couldn't go to work. That was all changed, and when I found some main supplements. Our bodies fluctuate from day to day, week to week, month to month, so we need natural supplements that help support these hormones. And the supplements that they offer are the Daily Hormone Balance, which provides more energy, better moods, reduced cravings. Key ingredients include grape seed extract, passion flower, B vitamin complex, magnesium, and zinc. There is also the PMS period support, which you use before your period to avoid bloating, have reduced cramping, and fewer mood swings. Key ingredients include green tea and vitamin D. There's also the urinary tract, Cleanse and protects your urinary system. Key ingredients are your cranberry juice extract, and then there's also the prebiotic for women for better gut health, soothes soothes the intestines, and reduces bloating. And lastly, there's the menopause essentials, which helps to have fewer hot flashes, better sleep, and more stable moods. Me personally, I use a daily supplement and the PMS period supplement I must say, for the first time in my life, since starting my period at the age of 15, both these supplements have helped reduce my pain ridiculously. I no longer get those stabbing pains anymore. So obviously, I use the daily supplement on a daily basis, and then two to three days before my period is set to start, I use the PMS support to help with those uncomfortable mood swings and cravings that we all get during that time. I owe all this wonderfulness to Simeon. So for more information about it or to order your first bottle, go to semainhealth.com. That is s e m a i n e health h e a l t h.com. Use the promo code Tanisha's Reading Corner that is spelled T A N I S H A S R E A D I N G C O R N E R, all one word, no apostrophe, Tanisha's Reading Corner. To get 20% off your first bottle. Periods are normal. The pain should not be. I thank you so much for listening. Now let's get back into the episode. At this point in her career, Evelyn has been let go of Sunset Studios at Don Adler's request, and was basically blacklisted from all of Hollywood, so she decided to go overseas to get work. She stars in a raunchy film, Boutois and Tron, and that film catapulted her back into the spotlight. It was this film that Mick Reba saw and fell in love with her, and would publicly tell anyone who had listened how madly in love he was with her. One evening, Evelyn, Celia, and Harry all attended one of Mick's shows, and at one point, Evelyn reached over and grabbed Celia's hand. However, someone in the audience saw them, and Evelyn became increasingly paranoid that people will be talking, so she comes up with a plan to run off and elope with McReva. Doing so will get people distracted with the elopement that they don't care to publish any nonsense about her and Celia. Uh, you some said this is a kind of recurring theme here, if you haven't noticed. Uh, Evelyn falls into these fits of just paranoia every time the wind blows. It's a default setting at this point. She is in survival mode and will do whatever it takes to stay on top of the Hollywood food chain. She had almost lost everything after her divorce with Dawn and she was not about to let that happen again. Evan convinces Rick to run off with her to Las Vegas and elope. And it works. And it was quickly annulled. So, bada bing bada boom. It's done. People were so enthralled with the marriage and the quick annulment that the rumors of her and Celia St. James dissipated just as Evelyn anticipated. So how did Celia feel about all this? As that's another common theme. You know, uh, Evelyn just acts out of her own pleasure, and very rarely does she ever consider Celia's feelings about this, which becomes a huge problem in their relationship. Less than happy after an argument with Evelyn, she storms out and they don't speak to each other for five years. In enters Rex North. And husband number four, if you've been keeping count. Rex North was a famous Hollywood actor, like Evelyn, made by the studio system, like Evelyn. Controlling and manipulative, just like Evelyn. So, birds of a feather. He was also her co-star in the new film, Anna Karenina, and this was a mere marriage of convenience. She needed her next film to be a big hit, so she sat down with Rex North, her co-star for the film, and the both of them concocted a plan to fall in love or uh, pretend to fall in love and marry in order to bring more eyeballs and assets in the seats, as they say. This may appear shocking to many, but in the world of Evelyn Hugo, this was merely business. A true love match for her was rare. Hollywood has always been notorious for contract relationships. And what's better than one? Two. Two major movie stars colliding together will give paparazzi something to talk about and get more notice for the film that they're currently working on. Not surprisingly, Rex agreed. They agreed to marry a few weeks before the film came out. And they stayed married for two and a half years. The plan worked. The movie was a big box office smash. But one day over breakfast, Rex tells Evelyn that he has fallen in love with another woman, and she's pregnant with his kid. This would be the kiss of death for both their careers. What does Evelyn plan to help them get out of it? Pretend to have an affair with Harry Cameron. Since they would both be having an affair, there would be no victims, and they would both walk away looking horrible, but successful. As Harry stated, they would sell a lot of tickets because they both were starring in another film after Anna Karenina. So pictures of Alex and his pregnant lover were spreading like wildfire. so Evelyn came up with a plan to take pictures with Harry Cameron so both of them are caught, looking guilty. Harry is reluctant at first, but out of the love he has for Evelyn, he agrees. So they drive to a known paparazzi hangout and wait. While they are waiting, Harry asks Evelyn if she would marry him after her divorce from Alex is finalized. Now this is truly a surprising proposal because Harry Cameron is gay. This is something that Evelyn knew about for years, so to get a proposal from him, she thought he was joking. Especially since his card lover was none other than John Breerman, a stark football quarterback and the husband of Celia St. James. That's right. After they broke up, Celia St. James decided to try and live a normal life and marry John breaker braver men as a way to keep the paparazzi off but i mean harry knew about both for the relationship and also knew that they just weren't happy it was merely a marriage of convenience this is getting messy y'all and surprisingly but not surprisingly evelyn agrees to the arrangement to marry harry cameron her gay best friend Ah, merely because this would bring Celia back into her life. More on that in a minute. But pictures of Evelyn Hugo with Harry Cameron hit the world stage while pictures of Alex North with Joy and Nathan at the same time, they were considered lustful sinners. But to Alex and Evelyn, it was a good business deal that worked out in both their favors. She did get nominated for the film, but that she and Alex started... started, and at the award, she ran into Celia St. James. And she confessed to her that she still loved her and wanted her back. They eventually forgave each other just in time for Evelyn to marry Harry Cameron. All right, we are on husband number five, Harry Cameron. So picture this two men sleeping together, married to two women sleeping together. We were four beards. Ugh. Hollywood. Well, not Hollywood anymore, because they all moved to Manhattan and had homes that were mere blocks from each other. So by day, they played the perfect foursome heterosexual couple of friends. But behind closed doors, Harry would live with John and Evelyn with Cecilia. While this arrangement worked for a while, naturally, jealousies were to grew. I mean, come on. Especially after Evelyn and Harry decided to have a baby. Yes. Bisexual Evelyn and gay Harry decided to have sex to have a baby together. What kind of sense does that make, people? I mean, they could have just adopted, and at this point, this is roughly mid-80s, so in vitro fertilization could have been another option, but nope, they wanted to do it the old-fashioned way. And they wanted their partners to be perfectly okay with this situation. Sorry! I, I mean, nah. Of course, Celia was heartbroken at the idea, but supported Evelyn no matter what, because she loved her. Harriet and Evelyn will go on to have Connor Margot Cameron. After giving birth, Harry Cameron would play a major role as manager for Evelyn and found her a great film for her to star her in called 3AM. It would be the same director of Bondé Pure, Max Girard. Now, Max Gerard gives very creepy Pepe LePierre vibes for all you millennials out there who are a Louis Tunes fan. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But the role was a spicy one with a graphic love scene that had never been done before. But there was one catch. Her co-star was none other than her abusive ex-husband, Don Adler. After everything that man had put her through, the abuse, the blackballing, the cheating, the lying, I mean, you can just go on and on. She was still willing to help him out. I mean, Evelyn states, which... <sighs> shocking, but not shocking. I mean, everyone, at this point in the book, we're nearly, we're more than halfway through This kind of stuff is kind of normal for Evelyn. She's really stuck in between two different worlds. I mean, while she is in love with Celia, and that's her love of her life, she still has feelings for Dawn. I mean, they did share something special together. And I think that bothers Celia, not because it was with a man, but because she had loved someone else before her and she doesn't know how to handle that, naturally. But Evelyn states that relationships are complex. People are messy and love can be ugly. I'm inclined to always err on the side of compassion. So Dawn eventually apologized for all the ills of their past. She forgave them and they moved forward with making the film. I am inclined to believe that the reason she was so willing to forgive him is because she too used many people to get what she wanted out of life. And therefore, another aspect of Evelyn's character comes through. Her surprising compassion for people. And her willingness to admit that she was wrong. I mean, that comes later in life, but eh, at least it came. As filming was almost finished, Max brought asked Hugo to perform a very dirty, graphic, and sensual love scene that had never been done in cinematic history before. You see, this was the era of major censorship. While we were out of the 50s and we're entering into the 60s, around the 70s now, but it would still be shocking. I mean, everyone agreed without hesitation to do it, but her major error in that, in that she did once again did not consider Celia's feelings on the matter. So she went ahead and filled the scene, then went home and told her about it. This was the final star for Celia. She couldn't take it anymore. She was furious with Evelyn, always putting her career over her and her feelings. So she filed a divorce from John, which was basically filing for divorce from Evelyn. The film 3AM was a big hit and gave Don Adler his first Oscar. Evelyn was locked out of all the major categories because of the film's highly sexual nature, which she was blamed for making it too steamy. Of course, blame the woman for everything. Even though it was men who made the film and a man that she starred with, it was all her fault. Some things never change. But as Evelyn realized, it wasn't worth it. While liberating many women of the time, it cost Evelyn the love of her life. The price of fame, having it all, but without love of her life to share with seemed empty and hollow. A lesson Evelyn had to learn the hard way. And an even harder lesson is when John died in the 1980s of a sudden heart attack, which is weird because he was always the healthiest one of the group. So Even though Evelyn was married to his lover, they were still good friends, and Connor referred to him as Uncle John. They were family, so his death hit incredibly hard, especially for Harry, whom that was his lover. He spent many years trying to get over it. Evelyn knew that the only way to get Harry back to his old self was to get him back working, so she looked for her next script. The two of them could work on it until so she came across another one of Max Gerard's one called All of Us. Harry loved it and immediately started to work on the project. During this time, Gerard and Hugo started to become increasingly closer and closer and closer while filming. I think you see where this is going. This is the film that she won her Oscar for, and that night after an during an after party, Gerard confesses his feelings for her. She tells Harry about his confession and agrees to divorce her so that she may marry Max Gerard and have a chance of happiness. Well, we are now at husband number six, Max Gerard. At first, that marriage was full of passion, but Evelyn quickly realized that Max Gerard was in love with the idea of Evelyn Hugo, and not Evelyn herself. Evelyn says it best. It took me about four months to realize that Max had no intention of even trying to love me and that he was only capable of loving the idea of me. At this, she decided to reach out to Celia and see how she was doing. But reality was, she wanted Celia back in their life. She wanted love again. Naturally, they both agreed that they would never stop loving each other and wanted to get back together. However, this would be difficult because Max Gerard was a jealous soul and just flat out vindictive and incredibly evil, despite being super creepy. And after reading letters that Hugo and St. James gave to each other, he threatened to tell the whole world about this secret love affair. Mind you, have mind you, we are now exiting into a 90s kind of world. And while some entertainers like Elton John came out as gay, Hugo and St. James were still worried about it because now Evelyn had a daughter and they feel that she could be taken away from her, which did happen. So to keep any rumors out of the press, they decided to fake a relationship with a young congresswoman <clears throat> while she divorced Max. It works. Everything everyone thinks that Max is just a scorned lover with all his accusations, and Evelyn goes on to marry Celia St. James's brother, Robert Jameson at Celia's request. I am going to say that one more time. Evelyn goes on to marry Celia St. James's brother, Robert Jameson at Celia's request. As if this book does not have enough twists and turns to it. Even Evelyn was shocked. Why would I marry your brother? That makes no sense. We can finally be together. It's a 90s kind of world. We can come out. But Celia doesn't want to. She's scared now what it will do with the reputation. And she's worried about, you know, like I said, cause her, her daughter, Ev- Connor. So, at Celia's request, Evelyn marries him. Robert would become Hugo's last husband. And her Celia, Robert, and Connor would move to Spain. And it became known that Celia was dying of lung cancer due to years of smoking and just wanted to spend her last years with Evelyn in peace. They eventually did, and Celia ended up dying in Evelyn's arms. At this point, Evelyn outlived everyone important in her life. Harry dies in a car accident, Damon in shortly after Celia, and even her own daughter, Connor, who she loves sincerely, Dies of breast cancer at the age of thirty-seven. So in the end, was it all worth it? Is this the price of fame? She had achieved everything that she ever wanted. At age eighty-one, she was all alone. She had it all—money, accolades, the fame. I mean, what a life! Oof. I mean, hoo, hoo, hoo. but throughout the life, that she was primarily interested in receiving adoration and love from her crowd. And was willing to trade sex, favours, lie for it, marry men that she wasn't in love with. And in the end it cost her everything. She ended up at the top and alone. This is not just some fun read, but a cautionary tale of what the true price of fame does to a person. That saying goes nothing it success means nothing if you don't have someone special to share it with. And that is definitely in the case of Evelyn Hugo. So as always with my book reviews, I don't like to give away everything because I do want you to go and read and assess it for yourself and take away the means that you might take away from it. That was just my assessment of it. Yes, but despite all the spoilers that I gave during this episode, I mean, there is still so much more that I haven't even named. Yes, that's how shocking this book is. I'm telling you, it was an amazing read. So... Check the description and use the link to order your book via Amazon today. Overall, this was a definite, and I said, it was not a five, it's a seven-star read. It was fantastic. The storytelling, the issues just compelling, the character arcs. By far, my favorite character actually wasn't Evelyn Hugo. I mean, she's number two, but my favorite was Monique Grant. She was the person I mentioned at the very beginning who was the one do writing the autobi- the biography for Evelyn. Because throughout the time that they're talking back and forth about all the husbands and whatnot, she starts to grow as an individual as well, too. She's going through a very harsh divorce. or not really divorce. She's in a separation trying to decide if she wants to divorce. But then she realizes that, you know, after listening to Evelyn's story, she wants a life of passion. She wants not to be the shy, timid one. She wants to go out there and take it for herself as well, too. And so now she fully begins to understand why... It's so important for people like Evelyn to tell their stories, to remind us all that, you know, life is worth living, dreams are worth dreaming, and it's worth going for while you're still young and while you still got it. Just make sure you keep a bunch of good friends with you on your way up the journey. So that way you're not standing up there alone. And as always, I like to end my shows with a quote, and this one comes from the author of the book herself, Taylor Jenkins Reid. And it goes, when you dig just a teeniest bit beneath the surface, everyone's love life is original and interesting and nuanced and defies an easy definition. I thank you once again for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button to stay up to date when new episodes are posted. Also, follow me on Instagram at reading. And we're on TikTok. That's yes, right, we have a TikTok account. So follow us on there as well too. Wellness through reading. Also, leave us a review below, telling us how, what you liked about the episode. And also, um, if I might, if first review that I see, I might read it the next episode. And until next time, I wish you all good wellness and good reading.